is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Homecoming. Oh, reminds, reminds Laz of Homecoming. It's, it's 2005, everybody. It's 2005. This is the number one song on June 28, 2005. The the year that the 2005 NBA draft went down. Obviously, uh, we've got ourselves another awesome guest today. Uh, love having this guy. Love reading his stuff. Uh, technically, a coworker of mine. Uh, an SB Nation uh, guy along with me, uh, Detroit Bad Boys, Laz Jackson. Thank you for coming uh, on the show today, Laz. No, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you both for having me. Um, I never thought of us as being like coworkers, but like, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. The, the checks are signed by the same person. Like, Absolutely. Right. SB Nation, stand up. <laughs> we, we, we did it. Uh, it's, a, it's a great collaboration here. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Les. I'm really happy to have you, and, and this should be a really fun show. And um, we got a lot to talk about. A lot of a lot of players in this draft. That it's it's a sneaky good draft. It's uh, you no, wouldn't it's you sneaky wouldn't already. It. It's 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 sneaky, but uh, yeah, so, it's sneaky. Not always not always in a great way, but it's sneaky. Right. It does. Yes, it will sneak up on you. And and what it does when it gets there, I we don't know yet. Uh, but before we get into the draft, I just want to talk just a couple minutes about last night's uh we're recording this on tuesday i want to talk about monday's heat uh win over the um the bucks that was the most exciting thing i've ever watched in my entire life it was like watching a wrestling crowd i mean jimmy butler was so over it was it was just unbelievable it, can... it brought it brought the a Miami crowd to life, which is it is not an easy feat. <laughs> He's coming with shots for Miami already. Look, I, I understand it. It's Miami. They're they're it, they're they're not a quote unquote passionate fan base. Understandably, there's there's stuff to do with Miami, right? Like we're. Detroit, we're we're used to being passionate about pretty much every damn thing. We 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 filled up the palace to capacity to the point where they had to call the the fire marshal be, for for a WNBA finals game. Damn right, that was the most exciting thing in the world for us for that one day. So, but yeah, Miami, they're leaving early during the NBA finals. It's it, it's just a different world. Yes, they they left early during and missed a lot of them missed one of the greatest yeah. final shots of all time because they were outside. I just that's why you never leave. That's I mean I remember we went to the uh, the Lions versus Cowboys game when Stafford uh, did that that sneak over the top and and beat the Cowboys. Half the people we went there were outside. Half the people we went with were outside already. They missed it. We went out and they when we went out they didn't even know the Lions had won. Like, don't leave the game. My thing is always, like, 
I paid so much money for these tickets. Right. Like, I'm getting my money's worth. Like, I'm staying here until the final buzzer and getting what I paid for. And I don't, and like, especially if you're buying not like regular season Lions tickets are one thing, like, no offense, Mike, yeah. but like NBA finals tickets and you're leaving yeah. early. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. They got to be insane in price. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, no, it's just. You're, there's no such thing as beating the traffic, but yes, last last night Jimmy Butler. I mean, I I just what an unbelievable performance. I I I just I mean when he hit that three and said this is my shit, uh, like I I I came alive. I I I got on Google and I started searching for Jimmy Butler jerseys. I'm like, am I a Miami Heat fan now? This is crazy. Yeah, just like. Go ahead, Blast. I was just, the the Bucks lack of like reaction or passion like in that moment. Like nobody like flipping yeah. a clipboard. Like no, everyone just kind of like shrugging their shoulders and like walking back to the sidelines. Like that kind of tells the whole story, right? Like that, yeah, that was, was the thing I noticed. I was expecting Drew Holiday to I could, the rest of that team. I understand, but I was expecting Drew Holiday of all people to you know, do something. But it was just like. Typical 2023 basketball where he would start out on Jimmy Butler and then they do a passive uh, switch. They just run run a basic screen, which he could have easily gone around. But nope, we, we have to switch everything now. And then he would get stuck on uh, Chris Middleton with his multiple time re- reconstructed uh, left leg. And he just couldn't stay with Jimmy Butler. And it was just it was it was barbecue chicken for that entire fourth quarter. I. I don't know. I maybe maybe I'm a little bit too old school for for. Why don't we just? I don't know. I don't know. Why 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 can't we just stick Drew Holiday? Tell Drew Holiday, go guard Jimmy Butler. Go go over the screen. We'll double if we have to. Make someone else beat us in this fourth quarter because Jimmy Butler is killing us. I don't understand why that's no longer a, a viable strategy in 2023. Yeah, I mean. I, I'm right there with you. Uh, yeah, but but I'm glad it wasn't because I that yeah, game it was great been, theater. <laughs> it, was, it was great theater, and um, not to totally uh, crap on Giannis, but like I don't know what that guy was doing in the fourth quarter. I mean, he's he's running as fast as he can, throwing passes to guys who have no idea passes are coming to them, and uh, and the Heat are grabbing steals. On, like he just he collapsed. His back is killing him. Yeah, I get that. No, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, they got they got the uh, they got the Theragun out like during the timeout, and like the guy's working on him. Uh, he's getting treatment like mid game. Like yeah. his his back is killing him. That's what's wrong with him. But and uh, I it's one thing when like you when you think about like what the Clippers are going through right now. Like the Clippers game hasn't happened yet, right? But we're I'm assuming the Clippers season will end by the time yeah. our listeners hear this. Yeah, and it's like. I appreciate what Giannis is trying to do, right? When, especially, and especially like in retrospect of like Paul George being like, "Ah, oh, it's a six-week injury, man." Like, uh, I, I'll be there maybe in like two weeks. And Kawhi being, and by I think by all accounts, like Kawhi would be willing to play, but like the team is like, "No, we just like don't want you to." And so you think about like how that champion, a alleged championship level team, has just been derailed multiple times by by injuries. Like, I have a lot of respect for Giannis gutting it out. And still putting up what, like twenty six and twelve, and yeah. something like that. Like they, they control that whole game until yeah. Jimmy Butler uh, went thermonuclear. But yeah, yeah no, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
Um, but yes. All right. Well, let's, uh, I, uh, by the way, you know, Keith and I talked about this before the show started. We expect all these closeout games to close out tonight. Like these series are all going to be over. Uh, tonight. Yeah, there, there's a reason all the home teams are favored by double figures tonight. Yeah. So place your place your bets, everybody. Just just not at the Lions practice facility. I I am pretty sure Dejounte Murray is probably watching Game Five from sipping on a on a drink in Cancun somewhere. Look, he, he is not planning on coming back. I've written all that I can write about the Jamison Williams thing. Uh, I think this is it. Look, it's ridiculous. You know, I, I get if you're going to bet on the NFL, that's bad. If you're if you're betting on a uh, a college football game or a WNBA game or NBA game or whatever it was he was betting on, I, rumor is it was a college game. Who cares where you're at? Like it doesn't matter. People bet. That's what happens. I mean, when you walk out onto the Ford Field Stadium. You literally have to walk past the players. Literally have to walk past a giant MGM sign to get to the field. Like it, it's 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 unbelievable. And I'm just I, you know I'm just tired of of the slander that this kid, this 22 year old kid, is taking in this town. It is oh, just I, I kind of derailed Mike. I'm sorry. No, you derailed. It's just me. just just a just a little jokey joke. I'm not a Lions no. fan, so I get to laugh at this. <laughs> no, I apologize. I, no, 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 no. It's, no, it's just. I, I, I will this is a very busy week for Mike. Mike's very stressed. Yeah, no, I, I, I will just, forever hold it against Laz that he laughed at us drafting Panay Silva <laughs> years ago. The the idea that a 22-year-old kid is a grown man and a fully functional human being who's capable of making the right decisions all the time, it's just laughable. When I was 22, I was an idiot. Keith was an idiot when he was 22. Laz, you were an idiot too. We were all idiots. 100% an idiot. Absolutely. Yes. I'm not sure. I'm 37 now. I'm not sure I'm not an idiot anymore. Like, I might still be an idiot. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I still thought Darko Milicic could play at 22. Uh, but all right. All right. Let's do this. Let's get into the 2005 NBA draft. Let's get me off this, this subject here. Keith, news and notes for this draft. So this 2005 NBA draft, uh, it goes down in history for – Mainly for one thing, this is the final draft where straight to straight out of high school prospects were draft considered draft eligible. It looked like the, it wasn't going to be the last one because it, it looked for a number of years like the NBA might go back to that. But I, I think it's pretty clear both the league and the players' association neither of them are, are in a hurry to, for an influx of eighteen-year-olds, uh, for better or for worse. However, you want to look at that. So it, it looks like this may actually go down in history decades from now as still being the last uh, draft with high school kids, which would also mean that the Pistons uh, to this day are still the last NBA franchise to burn a draft pick on a, on a high school player. Uh, the, the other thing is it, we will get into this very quickly, but uh, this draft is really known for two uh, point guard prospects. One, one of which burned very, very brightly and very, very quickly and kind of burned out of the league uh, way earlier than any of us thought he would. And then the other one is still playing to this day. And those really are my uh, notes for this 05 draft. All right. Well, then, with without further ado, let's get right into it. The Milwaukee Bucks are on the clock. Keith, you are the GM for this team. Yeah, this is going to be very do this, boring. Do the, do the super easy thing. Yes. Yeah, there is just no way I can I can justify picking anyone else but Chris Paul here. 
looking back, I'm not even sure how the Bucks could justify not picking Chris Paul in the moment. He he was just clearly one of the most dominant players in college basketball. I, I get his height, six one, six two, but they really did. He was his feel for the game was so obviously uh, elite, even as a rookie uh, playing for that transplanted Oklahoma City slash New Orleans Pelicans Thunder acronym that he did in his uh, rookie season. You you could tell right away that he was going to be special, that he was a Hall of Fame caliber talent, uh, e- even at Wake Forest or was he Wake Forest or Georgia Tech? I think it was Georgia Tech. No, he was he Wake Forest? I think it was, was Wake Forest. It's Wake Forest. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, I was just because I remember seeing him play in the ACC, uh, the ACC a lot. But yeah, uh, how does he def- uh, affect Milwaukee? Well, Milwaukee still has Michael Red for the time being. He's still a legit star. Uh, if you pair Michael Red and and Chris Paul together, is that going to be potentially an elite tandem in the East? Yeah, but you, you would still have to put a lot around them. I don't know if this uh, pairing is going to go anywhere before Michael Red's knees give out in three or four years. Uh, but, hey, if, uh, it should be fun. I mean, they could conceivably be the best backcourt in the league within a couple of years. Uh, Chris Paul was really that good. All right, so with the number two pick, the Atlanta Hawks, who are in arguably a worse position than the Bucks, uh, Laz Jackson had Laz Jackson has elected to pick second. Uh, Laz, who do you got for us? So I didn't want to pick first because Chris Paul was like way too easy. Um, I but I do. It's like this is the first. This is one of the first drafts I remember like national sentiment, and that being like mainly like Bill Simmons and like Page Two. And he's just like yeah. screaming about how the Hawks like need to take Chris Paul and how it's the the mistake, uh, biggest mistake that they did, and then he turned out to be right. So like, you know, good for Simmons, but like you you look at the 0506 Hawks backcourt and it's uh it's seven-year vet Ty Lu, Royal Ivy, uh Salim Stoudemire, who they drafted in like the second round, and uh and our boy Dante Smith. Like how this team didn't draft Chris Paul like remains like just a complete uh yeah. just giant question mark. Um I debated going Lou Williams and just like getting the Lou Williams to Atlanta train started like 15 years earlier. Uh, but I think, I think you have to go Darren Williams here, despite the, uh, despite the fact that like his star did burn really bright and then just kind of like fade out. It's like, I think the Hawks in this, like, Oh, in this like middle two thousands period, they had like a legitimately good team. And if you added some legitimately good guard play to that in like the latter hat and like the, you know, 08, 09, 010, like, segment of that. Like, that's that's a legitimately good playoff squad. And so I think that's the direction you kind of have to go to with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, the it's kind of weird. The Atlanta Hawks, if you look at the, the late 2000s Hawks, they really had everything except the point guard. I, I know they tried to patch it together eventually with, like, early 30s Mike Bibby, who had just lost it at that point, clearly. Yeah. But man, I'm I'm just trying to imagine that team. You take away Marvin Williams, sure, but you add Darren Williams. How lethal would that team have been with with Prime L. Horford, uh, Joe Johnson, uh, still useful Josh Smith? I I don't know. They I I'm I'm with you lockstep on this. How did they pass on on Chris Paul of all people with with that enormous hole they had at point guard? But it, it's interesting though, Darren Williams. I I just want to 
bring up his college career real quick because I CP3 was was the man mm-hmm. in, when he was in college. We weren't even sure that Darren Williams was the best player in his own team. Yep, D Brown. Like, like D, D Brown. Yeah, D Brown was considered like the star for that Illinois team. Yep. And Darren Williams, yeah, you he, you could clearly see that he had the better like NBA body. He had the athleticism. He he looked like a guy that would succeed more in the NBA. But like in college, he he wasn't even the man on his own team. So it it was it's really interesting uh, how he was so good so quickly in the NBA. All right. Uh, the, the Utah Jazz, who will not be as fortunate as they were in, in real life to have one of these point guards to choose from. Uh, my co-host, Mike Payne, is I – yeah. God, they 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 had they actually did have a choice between Chris Paul and Darren Williams. That's, that's crazy. Uh, Mike, you are up with the third pick on behalf of the Utah Jazz. Well, this backcourt is pretty rough, too. There's uh, Devin Brown, Gordon Gierczyk, uh Keith McLeod, and uh, Milt Palacio. Oh, and Andre Owens too. Well, he's a rookie this year, but uh, yeah, this 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 backcourt could certainly use some help. Uh, I don't have. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a point guard. I thought about taking Lou Williams here and and having him be the 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 man at point, but I think you got to go for a guy who who could put buckets in, and Monte Ellis is that guy. Uh, I know I know he only played twelve years, but like this is a guy that averaged twenty five and twenty four points a game in consecutive seasons. Uh, yeah. For the Golden State Warriors, like he he could he could put it up in buckets. I don't know why this guy went 40th in the draft. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, was he a small school guy? I, I I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. But uh, oh, he's a high school kid. All right, uh, yeah. never mind. Uh, there Un- you go. Unrepentant gunner, even in high yeah. school. Yeah. I'm trying to ima- imagine like Jerry Sloan just like tearing what little hair he has out at the prospect of trying to coach Monte Ellis. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it would at least be it would be trying, fun to watch. Trying to force this man into early retirement. <laughs> It'd be good theater if anything. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I just think that you know uh, this guy and this is a team that is going to make the playoffs next year. So I I think that you you replace Darren Williams with Monte Ellis and they're going to make the playoffs again. Uh, like it's it's still going to happen. This is going to be a good solid uh, ragtag group of misfits. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I don't know how Monte because the Jazz as soon as they got Darren Williams they got very good very fast. I don't know. I don't know how things are going to work out because they're still going to get Carlos Boozer and they're still going to get Memento core. They're still going to be a really good team. I think in the future, I don't know how far they, they're how, how high their ceiling is with Monte Ellis versus prime Darren Williams, who at his peak was one of the top two or three point guards in the entire league. Uh, Championship. The, that's the, that's the, that's the ceiling <laughs> there or the, maybe the floor. I don't know. So, so what next are my, uh, my aforementioned, uh, New Orleans slash Oklahoma City slash Pelicans slash, well, I guess they're the Hornets at this point still. What a time. Uh, they're, about, they're about to spend a year in, in Oklahoma City, even though they're still based out of New Orleans. Uh, they're they're very much uh, an expansion team. The, the, the Jamal Mashburn team slash Jamal McGlure teams have kind of aged themselves out. So they're they're in the middle of a rebuild. I do not have the perfect rebuild player for them like they originally picked, but I have the next best thing, which is one hell of a score. Uh, Danny Granger. Uh, th- th- oh. this is, 
No, this was a very, very easy pick for me. He was number four, or excuse me, he was number three on my big board by quite a bit. Uh, Danny Granger, we we all remember him from his Indiana days. And speaking of uh, guys that kind of burned out a little bit quickly, his his knee problems snuck up on him, and he was kind of out of the league. Uh, He went from being a perennial all-star to being out of the league in just a matter of a few years, which was kind of sad because the Pacers were a legit championship contender when that happened. Uh, but I, I, I think maybe part of the reason why he dropped in the draft was there, there was some medical concerns about him, which is why he didn't go as a top five, top seven player originally when he was clearly one of the best prospects, uh, one of the most talented prospects on the board. Uh, I remember when, when Keegan Murray came out last year, I kind of compared him to Danny Granger. I, I'm still a little bit there, but. Man, I, I actually went and watched one of Danny Granger's uh, older games this week, and man, he was just so damn efficient as a as a guy that really didn't get to the rim a whole lot, which just I guess is kind of Keegan Murray now. But he was just amazing uh, volume outside shooter, uh, really good mid range, halfway decent defender. He was averaging 24, 25 points a game in his prime back back in an era when that was a lot of points. Uh, how how does he? fit with new orleans uh long term i don't know but i i I know this he's by far the the best foundation piece left on my board all right so with the number five pick uh the the charlotte bobcats and i'm i'm i feel like i want to throw up every time i say the word bobcats (laughs) such a bad name it it really is and horrible jerseys too i'm gonna be having to say this for another like six or seven redrafts before they finally change their names back all right. Uh, on on behalf of the the Bobcats, uh, Laz Jackson, uh, who do you have for us at number five? This was this was tough. I had my eye on Granger. They they really need backcourt help. In mm. real life, they took Raymond Felton because they really needed backcourt help. Um, yeah, Keith is laughing because he knows how that plays out. Um, but like, I, I, I that was maybe defensible at the time, but like. I don't know, man. North Raymond Carolina Felton. local kid. Yeah, and like at the time, it looked like they were actively targeting local kids yeah. to get uh, butts in seats and whatnot. Um, a, a surely a winning strategy, right? Like as Keith knows, like Charlotte and uh, UNC's campus are like ninety minutes away. Like, of course, there's just like this huge tie to the community. Um, we, we we cover a fan base that wanted Trey Burke or nothing. Trey Burke or death. I don't, I don't get started on that. I remember those wars and just being like, guys, like, I, like this isn't going to work. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want. Um, so I, with, without Danny Granger on the board, I am sorely tempted to again, like pick Lou Williams, but I honestly think David Lee is probably a better choice for this Ooh. iteration of the Bobcats. Um, a, a like David Lee, uh, Mecca Okafor front court, uh, with Crash Wallace in there, perhaps uh, gets you uh, to a competent level offensively in a way that you can like manage to play through your bigs in 2005 <laughs> that you can't anymore. Uh, so yeah, I think I think I got to go David Lee here. Yeah, David Lee. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to picture in my head how how Larry Brown would, who who is going to become the coach of the Bobcats shortly. How how he would. Uh, treat David Lee because on one hand you love the rebounding right one of the best mm-hmm. rebounders of his generation on the other hand he couldn't guard for shit 
So I, I don't know if he would be in the starting lineup or he would be stuck in the memento core position of stay on the bench and we'll call you if I'm really desperate for some offense. Uh, yeah, but look, yeah, I, I, the Bobcats are still for all intents and purposes, an expansion team at this point, they're only back in the league for one year. So yeah, yeah, David Lee is going to put up numbers, which he always put up numbers when he gave him minutes, he's always going to give you some offense. I, yeah, there's, there's really not much to criticize about this pick. If, If this were maybe a team that was looking to make the playoffs or something, maybe I could say something, but no, in terms of just pure talent, and not to mention because he puts up numbers, he'll be a nice trade piece down the road if things don't work out. All right. Portland making a very, very rare appearance in the top six. Uh, the the Blazers are going through probably their worst period in team history at this point. Uh, missing the I think they missed the playoffs two or three years in a row, which is crazy that that's their, that rock bottom for them. Uh, but uh, Mike at number six, who do you got for us today? Super easy. Laz made it really easy on me. Uh, Lou will, I mean, all the way, yeah. uh, three times six man of, uh, of the year award winner. I mean, even if he, even if you don't get a starter out of this, you're getting like one of the greatest <laughs> bench players of the era. Um, but I mean, as and this is a guy that you know, 20 points a game, multiple seasons, uh, can, can help assist, can, can do everything that you'd want him to do. This guy was on an NBA roster last year. Uh, I mean, if he if he were on an NBA roster today, he'd be playing in the playoffs right now as we speak for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, if he stayed with the Atlanta Hawks, that is. But yes, Lou Will, I mean, I love the longevity. I love the, the ability off the bench. I love that he could play point guard and the two. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a huge win for, for Portland that he, he just fell to them. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what he, what Portland's roster even looked like at this point because oh, they don't. Have I've got it. Role, I, I've got it pulled yeah, up. Like, so they're, they're starting point. Their starting guards are Steve Blake and Juan Dixon. It's which Sebastian if you Maryland backcourt. I was gonna say, which if you're in the ACC in the early 2000s, this is a lethal backcourt. If you were in the NBA in 2005, uh, you were probably not winning 25 games. Oh man. Can I just say I had I had a real soft spot for Martel Webster as a guy who like after you simmed like three seasons in NBA Live was just so good. He was ridiculously yeah. good. Yeah, he he was seen as the, the, the major upside guy in this draft. Yeah. I what happened to him? Was he was that an injury thing or was he just not? I, I know well, I know he, he had injuries. I'm not sure if he was ever that good to begin with. He was an That's NBA right. player. Yeah. But I don't I don't recall him ever being like once he stepped foot on an NBA floor, I, I don't know that he ever showed enough promise to where you say, oh, this guy's going to be in an all-star game one day. It's it's All interesting right. that the video games, like they, they do that. I, I remember when, you know, I got, I got the game, uh, K- Killian Hayes rookie year, like three seasons. He was like one of the best point guards in the entire league. <laughs> it's, it, it just could not be farther from the truth. Uh, it, it just tricks you into believing that, Hey, maybe these guys are going to be good because they're they're kind of good on the game. All right, so uh, the Toronto Raptors up at number seven, and this is the first team that has actual players on it that we've gotten to so far. Uh, we we've got a, a young Chris Bosh who's already one of the premier fours in the game. Uh, we've got uh, Jose Calderon. Uh, he's coming in as a rookie, but an older rookie. He's one of the more reliable. Uh, 
floor generals. You have Jalen Rose, who's really at the end of his rope. Uh, I don't see a whole lot there. But still, you have a foundation. And who who am I going to pick uh, to compliment uh, Chris Bosh? Because the, the Raptors will be a, a playoff team sooner than later. And I see a few people here. You know what? I am going to go with uh, Andrew Bynum. Ooh. That's yeah, interesting. That's a really my... interesting 2005 yeah. front court. <laughs> well, Andrew Bynum is probably not going to be good next year. He wasn't with the Lakers, but he was pretty good with the Lakers earlier than people thought he would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, another major project in this draft. But at, at one point, he, he grew to be an all-NBA type center, right? Granted, he was a third wheel behind Kobe and Powell, but he was still really productive on his own. I I think he pairs wonderfully uh, with Chris Bosh down the road. And yeah, his knee injuries, uh, like a few of these guys in this draft, he didn't have a very long career. As, as soon as he peaked, he, he kind of disappeared from the league. Some of that was on injury. Some of that, I think, was just on him not having the desire to fight through pain and continue his career longer than he needed to. But I'll tell you what, uh, Chris Bosh is not long for Toronto anyway. So uh, the guys I'm looking for on the board are going to be the guys that are are very good, very uh, at least somewhat quickly. I, I'm just trying to make the most out of this this brief Raptors run with Chris Bosh as I can. I, I think uh, especially that inside outside combination with with Bosh and and Andrew Bynum, I I, I think that's uh, that's a pretty good pairing. I'm a little concerned about. You know, like he just does not have any longevity at all. But you know, well, neither does Bosch in Toronto. So yeah, that's I, a good. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. like in two thousand, like in in five years, we're gonna have to reset this whole thing anyway. So I, I but Andrew Bynum's here for a good time. He's not here for a long time. Hey, all right, that's a Drake lyric about a Toronto team, Keith. I couldn't be more proud of you right now. He I definitely did that on purpose. <laughs> I kind of just pulled that out of nowhere. That's All right. Um, uh, with the number eight pick, I, I may never make another musical reference. Again. <laughs> that, that's fine. That one was good enough. I, I, right, yeah, I, I, I am Jordan just retiring after game six in Utah. All right. Uh, the number eight pick belongs to the New York Knicks. Uh, Laz, do you have any ideas here? Because they are not in a good, a good place right now. So I like hadn't looked at the 0506 Knicks roster up until now. And like, oh man, this is a this is a weird team. This is yep. this is a Marbury Knicks team, right? But like Steve Francis is here. I like vaguely remember that. Like I I forgot that happened. They were Quentin Richardson's here. What are you saying, Mike? They were throwing everything at the wall at this time. Yeah. Like uh Jerome James, the infamous Jerome James signing. I remember that. Yeah. Uh Larry Brown is the coach, which means like whoever I draft isn't going to play anyway. Uh, Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway's here for some reason. Jamal Crawford's here. Like this, this team is so weird. Ime Udoka, uh, second year Ime Udoka uh, in the, in, on this team. Um, in real life, they took Channing Fry. I considered that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, that's like uh, Channing Fry ended up being a useful player once the once the game changed to fit his uh his skill set i remember i like have vague memories of like the draft coverage complaining that like fry net like never went inside and grabbed rebounds because like that's what your bigs are supposed to do in 2005 um 
So with that said, I think like this team, looking at this team, this team does not need any more ball handlers, right? Like Marbury, Nate Robinson, Steve Francis, Jamal Crawford are already like fighting over shots, right? They need somebody who's going to come in, do the dirty work, and like force them to not have to play Jerome James the like 15 minutes a game that he played. And so I think I'm going to draft Andrew Bogut here. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if Bogut is ready for like the bright lights of New York City. And again, like Larry Brown is not going to play him anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter. But <laughs> Bogut was a, was a pretty good player for quite some time. Yeah. Steven Adams before Steven Adams. New York. Yeah, I think he actually had more offensive talent than Steven Adams. I, I think some injuries kind of hurt his career offensively, but uh, pe- people hurt. He was one of the early the early foundations for those uh, those Warriors teams back when uh, Draymond Green, he was good, but he was still trying to get his his feet under him as an elite defender. Uh, Andrew Bogut was really the anchor, the defensive anchor for that team to start out with. Uh, I think people, I don't think, remember how good he was defensively just because the Warriors didn't really miss a beat without him. But I thought that's because Draymond Green had evolved to the point where he didn't need Bogut anymore. Uh, but they definitely needed him uh, that first championship season. Uh, yeah, the, the Knicks are just a dumpster fire. There's really nothing else to say here, other than you you may have actually missed their overall best player, which was Trevor Ariza. Twenty year old Trevor Ariza. <laughs> yeah, they had so there's so many names on that Nick team that had kind of like they were good back in 2001. Uh, but yeah, Tr- Trevor Ariza was the one guy on that team that hey yeah this this guy is actually going to be a valuable player down the road. Yeah, I mean he's going to win a championship in a few years as a starter. I mean, and you know, we we can't ignore who uh, who assembled this uh, collection of talent either for the New York Knicks. Yes, we no, can. No, we can. <laughs> well, you know what? The Isaiah's always done a good job of drafting. Uh, his trades have never, ever, ever been good. Oh yeah. Like, like he was he the one that traded um, Marcus Camby for Charles Oakley, or was he gone from the team at that point in Toronto? That I, I think that would have had to have been Isaiah. I'm trying to remember that that Toronto team, right? Uh, like what? Yeah, like maybe. when you're trading like 21 year old Marcus Camby for like 33 year old Charles Oakley. I don't know. I was I was trying to remember if that was before or after they 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 fired him. Isaiah right, knew, so... knew Oakley's game way better than he knew Camby. He actually played him. Yeah, because yeah, they were contemporaries. That was <laughs> yeah. the problem. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Everyone laughed, though, when Isaiah drafted uh, Wilson Chandler, who we'll get into in a, in a future redraft. Must and that was like one of the best picks of that entire draft. All right. Uh, so number nine, the uh, the Warriors, just a, a, a couple of years shy of getting into the We Believe era. Uh, they, they are still very much a rudderless ship right now. Uh, Mike, you have the number nine pick. Uh, do you have anyone in mind to, to get them out of this rut? I... I do. I just want to make a very quick apology. Uh, Wilson Chandler is not from Muskegon. That's my fault. He's from Benton Harbor. It's a totally different. I didn't hear you say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's my fault. So, sorry yeah, to all you, the Wilson. You do not want people from Benton Harbor after you no. on that front. So, no. uh, and I live like an hour away from there. Uh, so, uh, I, yes, I am going. This team needs a point guard. Uh, it's as simple as that. It just just keep holding on, guys. Like four or five more years, Steph Curry's going to be there. 
right now Derek Fisher's there and that, and that's fine. But he's well, not. They, got, they they do have Baron Davis right now, don't they? Oh yeah, they do have Baron Davis, but but that's fine. I'm still going to draft a point guard anyways, uh, because he can never have too many point guards, and and I've already committed to taking this guy. Uh, well, all right, give me a second. Let me let me let me look at it. Not as committed as you thought. No, maybe not. I mean, Baron Davis is is pretty passable. <laughs> um, okay, maybe a center is in order. They right now they have um. Keith, you're gonna to have to help me with this. Andres Beedrins. Oh, Beedrins, yeah. Beedrins, yeah. Andres Beedrins, yeah. Uh, the the worst the free throw shooter I've ever yeah. seen in my entire life. He he made Andre Drummond look like Mark Price. It was just, yeah, the results were bad, but you could tell coming off the guy's hand, like it was, man, this thing has no chance of going in. Like there are certain foul shooters that are so bad that before they even release it, you know what's amiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beatrice was like, it, he's in the in like the Mount Rushmore of bad free throw shooters. He's like, do you remember the uh, like the Dreamcast had like the two arrows that like you converged to yep. like make the shot. Yeah. You could tell like Beendrins like had that in real life. He's just like, okay, like I need to I need to put this here. I need to like do I need my hand to be here. I need everything. It's just like he was think is like a golfer like with a bad swing. It's just like this there's no way any of these dudes' free throws are ever going in. Like like how did no one ever try to change his free throw form at any point? I just God, there there has to be somewhere uh, on YouTube where they can just where people can look that up because if he's on YouTube, man, it's it's worth the five seconds. Yeah, uh, the, the the Jeremy Sohan Memorial one hand free throws, like something. Yeah, he he looked like a right hand sh- shooter that was trying to shoot. Trying to shoot with My God, you guys are just really going in on this poor guy. <laughs> yeah, I just feel bad for him. No, okay, Mike, if you have time, just like YouTube yeah. his free throws. <laughs> I will. We're not exaggerating. It really was that bad. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I will. I will definitely take a look at that. Um, but yes, they also have a Donald Foyle and somebody named Chris Taft who is going to play this year and no other years after this. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go ahead and draft a center. There's really only one good one left on the board, uh, and his name is Marcin Gortat, um, the Polish hammer. Yep, so- solid player. I mean, this is a double double guy. You know, get your points, get your rebounds, maybe block a few shots. Uh, he's not the flashiest guy in the world. He looks like somebody that like you would see at the YMCA and think maybe that guy used to play basketball, but he actually plays basketball right now. Uh, so yes, that is that is my move for the Golden State Warriors. And like I said, just keep holding on, guys. Four more years, five more years, whatever it was. Steph will be here soon. Um, well, even before that, they had a really entertaining run with with Baron and Jason Richardson. And yeah, the, they had the that one and stack and that, stack that one and, yeah. that one series against yeah. Dallas that was great. But other than that, I mean, this is you know, like they were going nowhere. Is Donnie Nelson the coach yet, or no? Uh, at this time, uh, Mike no, McGovern, I, I, I don't think. No, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure Don Nelson's still the coach of the Mavericks at this point, isn't he? Mike Montgomery is the Warriors. Oh coach. no, no, that's right. Uh, no, because Avery Johnson didn't he coach them to the finals that in his first year? So this would have been Avery Johnson's first year as coach of the Mavericks, wasn't it? Uh yes, Let me check. that is correct. Okay. Also, I okay. like yeah, you. I think... You said the name Mike Montgomery, and like no faces, no images. Like four oh four. I don't no remember clue what that, that person at all. No clue what that person looks like. Yeah. 
Okay, so there's some furniture being broken in Los Angeles right now because <laughs> man, the Lakers really couldn't they really could have used a big man uh since they they struck out so badly on Kwame Brown. And uh, Andrew Bynum's off the board, Andrew Bogut's off the board, and Marcin Gortat, I thought he would have been perfect in L.A., and now he's off the board. So going to have to call an audible here. Uh, Phil Jackson's coming back. Uh, which which of these uh, big men uh, would fit the triangle the best? I think it's very obvious it's going to be Channing Frye. Uh, he, he is in no way, uh, in no way a replacement for Andrew Bynum, but – I, I think he he does all the things that you want out of a triangle big man. He can really shoot it. Uh, he can pass a little bit. Uh, not the most attentive defender, but I don't think that's going to matter at this point because neither of these any other neither are any of the other guys on my list. Uh, I, I think he pairs extremely well w- with Kobe. He gives him uh, a floor spacer, a guy that's going to let him operate a little bit. Uh, Channing Fry was pretty good right away, so I I think there's nothing wrong there. Uh, the, the only problem is I, I do think this is going to prevent the Lakers from growing as fast as they as they did back in the day because they still are going to need a third star. Uh, they've got Kobe. They've got Lamar Odom. They'll probably get Pau Gasol eventually, but they still need that that fourth guy. Yeah, I was going to say uh, a, a Fry Odom like front court and like they would play Lamar Odom at small forward because, again, it's 2005. Right. But like that, that is a very kind of like interesting modern-esque front court and uh i can see how phil would like i can i can envision ways phil would leverage that interestingly um but like i wonder how kobe and channing fry would interact because the first time channing fry didn't grab a rebound kobe would be in his ass and i don't know uh not everybody responsible to that well guys i I mean he was kind of hard on andrew bynum too right out of the gate so at at least channing's a little bit older probably be mature enough to handle it better well guys since since we're a sort of a, a video medium as well as an audio medium now oh god I, you found one but I, 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 this is what you, i was laughing about a second ago <laughs> here we go i mean festus Lazzini has been fouled a lot this year but i'm so glad kids at home can't see well. this He's only well they six will 16. this, this should come with is a parental that? guidance on that one as darius <laughs> He really does look like he's right-handed trying to shoot left-handed. How do you, how do you do that? <laughs> like the left arm has doesn't have enough strength to get it to the rim. It's like it looks like the like you know like Mason Plumley recently switched hands on free throws. Yeah. Beedrins looks like the beginning stages of that, right? Like. No, Mason Plumley is watching this video right now, and he's cracking up. Oh man, thank you for that, Mike. I appreciate that. I got you. I got you. That's <laughs> wow. Yeah, that that wasn't cherry picked. I mean, granted, he hit the rim on most of his attempts. But <laughs> no, that's really how he shot his from. But they all looked from. like that, right? They all yes. looked like that, yeah. and you just like, you no, know, none of these are going. <laughs> Like the referee should have just blown the whistle and just saved him the, before he ever. As soon as as soon as he wound up, the referee should have just blown a violation and just handed the ball to the other team. Save save that poor kid some misery. <laughs> so ugly, oh, so bad. <laughs> All right, the number eleven pick. How did this become the Andre Andre's Peterage podcast? Uh, you never know what you're gonna get with this podcast. I nope, love it. You don't. 
All right, the, the number 11 pick uh, belongs to the Orlando Magic, who traded this pick several times, and several times it boomeranged back to them. Uh, Laz, uh, making his second-to-last selection, uh, who who do you have uh, in mind to possibly? Because they've got, they've got Dwight Howard, uh, they've got Jameer Nelson, they've got mm-hmm. a young nucleus. Uh, who do you, who, are there any uh, pieces here you can see fitting around that? So... I want to have some fun. So I'm going to answer uh, a guy that a guy who had like a really special place in my heart, a guy who I was always pretty frustrated, uh, never lived up to his like pretty vast potential as a player and a guy who I think would actually be able to like help this team in the not too distant future, uh, provided that he kept his head on straight. Um, and I'm going to go with Rashad McCants. Really? Yeah. Rashad McCants. All right. Put him on my board real quick. I did not. Have oh, no, that, was, that wasn't even on Keith's board. So Rashad McCants is like your stereotypical two guard in 20 in 2005. He had just come off like helping UNC win the national championship, like celebrating shirtless uh, post game, if I remember correctly. And he got he ended up like in real life, he got drafted by Minnesota, uh, just kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit, was like making strides coming into year three, had like a knee thing, then like a shoulder thing. And then like before you knew it, he was just like out of the league. It's like that was a guy who I always just felt had like a lot of talent and somebody who probably like would really enjoy being uh, getting to like re-simulate his career. Like his career could have gone much, much differently. Uh, if things had gone yeah, his way. That, that I will agree with you on. Uh, he he did not have a good NBA career by any stretch, but you are 100% right. It is arguable that the team that drafted him kind of derailed him mm-hmm. as much as anything else. And that a, a, a different, maybe a change of scenery. Like, you could argue that he could be helped uh, as much as anyone in this draft by just going to a different team. But no, I just, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, he, this is the first time... Uh, we've been doing this since 1984. This is the first time anyone's ever picked somebody that was not on my board. Yes. Well, yes. that's not that's not true. I took Shane Heal and. Uh... Okay, it's the second. <laughs> no, it's the second time. But you told me beforehand you were going to try to okay, make fun of Shane Heal. So I don't. Also, it's hard for me. also, like in real life, Orlando took Fran Vasquez. So like, it's not like I'm doing. He <laughs> never played. Either. I'm pretty sure he never played a game. Yeah. He was. He was known as that guy that Orlando took in the lottery that just never came over. It was like, right. you know, it, it can't be a worse pick than that. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, the the LA Clippers with the 12th pick. All right, uh, Mike, you are up. Uh, they are coming off of – actually, right now, they're about to engage on uh, their first real uh, chance at an NBA Finals. So this is actually a really, a really nice team. Uh, Mike, do you have anyone to add to this mix? Uh, they've got Elton Brand. They're going to have Sam Cassell. Um, who was the two guard? Uh, Santa Claus. I forget what his freaking name is. That, that He's still playing today in... Um, Catino Mobley. Yeah, Catino Mobley. Yeah, um, yeah they, they, they've got a really nice roster uh, at this point. So, yes, at this point, they do have Elton Brand. Backing him up is Vladimir Rodmanovich, who... Uh, is okay, I suppose. Fine, whatever. 
Uh, I'm going to take a guy who's who who can come off the bench and play uh, both power forward and small forward, and the guy who actually went number two in this draft. I'm going to take Marvin Williams. Thank uh, you. Yep. Okay. I, I think he's a solid player. Uh, you, you know what you're going to get out of him. It's not going to be anything too crazy, but he could totally come off the bench and and be an effective player immediately um, for this team and, and and help them on their run. So yeah. Marvin Williams. Uh, Can I just say that the Clippers and Marvin Williams are like a perfect marriage, right? Just a a maelstrom of underwhelmingness. Well, I think he was kind of weighed down by where he was picked. But all right, if I asked you who in this entire draft class who who loved the most minutes in their career, who would it be? Who do you think it would be? CP three, right? Of course, right. Who would be number two? Uh, I I have basketball reference up, so I I'm I cheating, too. but it's, like it's I would have guessed, I would have probably guessed Lou Will, but yeah, it is Marvin. That's Marvin crazy. Williams, like he he carved out a really really nice career, and there's a reason I said thank you, Mike, is because you drafted him to the West, uh, which means I won't have to watch him kill the Pistons four times a year like I had to do when he was in Charlotte. What what of the absolute, um. What if the absolute just piston killers? And granted, we're we're getting into the late 2000s, 2010, so everybody's a piston killer at that point. But Marvin Williams just I swear to God, he 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 looked like Glenn Rice every time he would suit up against the Pistons. He would never miss. I don't know what his career splits were, and maybe I'm exaggerating, but I swear he put up 25 points a game against the Pistons every year. It just it annoyed the crap out of me because he was good. I had a healthy respect for Marvin Williams, but he always looked like an all-star against against the Pistons, and it just it, it annoyed me to death. Okay, uh, so we're swinging back around one last time, one last pick for each of us. Uh, the the God, I can't say this without wanting to gag. The Charlotte Bobcats are back on the board, and the the, the way that they acquired this pick was pretty hilarious. Uh, this pick was actually traded uh, to Phoenix by Cleveland in the Antonio McDice trade of 1997, uh, eight years ago. And the, the Suns held on to that pick until 2004 when they actually traded it to Charlotte in exchange for them taking Jihadi White's contract off their hands in the expansion draft. And where is this all leading, you might ask? The Suns used that spare cap space to sign Steve Nash. So the, the the Suns actually gave up the 13th pick in the in this draft for Steve Nash. Uh one hell of a, a maneuver by them. Yeah. Okay, so uh the the Bobcats, we we've got uh as I recall David Lee already in the fold. Uh who else am I am I going to to pair with David Lee? And I think the really crappy thing is like all the other best players on my board are all fours. <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna have to think outside the box a little bit. Uh, I, I, I you know what? I, I refuse to pick Raymond Felton. It's not happening. I, I, <laughs> I gonna, was, I'm I was kind of hoping you would. I, I am. I, it's not gonna happen. Uh, I will. You know what? I, I think there's a clear. Uh, there, there's a couple of crowd pleasing point guards on on my board. Uh, really, really crowd pleasing point guards. Uh, which one of them is less likely to get benched by Larry Brown? <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's pretty obvious. You know what? I, I'm going to go outside the box a little bit here. I'm going to draft Will Bynum. Ooh. 
Uh, will the not, throw by not the sub six foot point guard I thought you would draft. I, yeah, I was. It was either between him and the other one, and yeah. really, that was the difference for me. Was because I know one of these players, uh, Larry Brown, will stick on the bench and leave him there, and the other one, Larry, might actually have an affinity for because he was such a good player running a pick and roll. And Will Bynum uh, could not defend a lick. Uh, three out of every four games, he could not shoot past 15 feet. But he was so damn electric. Uh, ironically, he holds the Pistons uh, franchise record for most points in a fourth quarter, which he set against Charlotte <laughs> uh, in 2009. Uh, I, I know he was a fan favorite with a lot of people. He wasn't as much of a favorite of mine simply because of the defense and the erratic shooting. And he, he had some warts to his game, but I'll tell you what, uh, late in this first round, one thing I couldn't deny was that he was a hell of an entertaining player. And when you're drafting for an expansion team, uh, the thing you want, as you said before, when you pick the, uh, pick David Lee is you want, you want to be entertained. If you're going to be bad, be entertaining bad. Yeah. And Will Bynum is definitely that. All right. So I, I'm actually pretty, pretty satisfied with this pick. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, picking 14th uh, Laz, uh, this will be your final selection of the night, at least before we get to our ceremonial pick. Uh, the the Timberwolves still have Kevin Garnett. They are still clinging onto him for dear life. It's not going to last another couple of years, but they still he's still there. Uh, but they really have nothing else at this point. So who do you have for us? Yeah, I'm looking at the roster. And it's like Wally Zerbiak uh, somehow is scoring 20 points a game. <laughs> Don't know how that happened. Uh, that's Ricky... all star Wally Zerbiak you're talking about. Ricky Davis is here. That's interesting. Marco Yark, a guy who uh, I always just like enjoyed uh, his stylings. Um, yeah, I, I'm, and the the pickings are kind of slim at this point. Um, so I'm thinking like they they need backcourt help, right? I need to I need to not play Ricky Davis forty minutes a night. However. My options are slim. And so this guy wasn't, and this guy like took a long time to get situated and like establish himself as a player. And like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if, uh, if I draft him here that uh, this is going to work out great, but I think I'm going to take Jarrett Jack. Ooh. Yeah. I went, if you if you look uh, up the term solid point guard, it was yeah. probably said about Jared Jack more than any other player in the league. He's just rock solid, yeah. uh, not great, not not uh, an explosive point guard, but he was just there was nothing he was bad at. He was he was good at pretty much everything. Yeah, I, again, I'm trying just like really hard not to play Ricky Davis forty minutes a night, <laughs> um, and it it was either that or like Charlie V, and it's like Charlie V. And KG just like trying to whip Charlie V's ass every day in practice. Like I yeah. That's that would have been cruelty. Yeah, yeah. That would have that would just been mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Jack. yeah. Yeah. Jared Jack could play. He very much the 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 Tyus Jones of the the late two thousands, where he's that he's that backup point guard that everyone's just waiting to get overpaid. <laughs> all right. Um all right, so we have I mean, I, I I think Jared Jack would like pairs really well with Kevin Garnett. I don't think it changes anything, but I think mentality wise, I think there's a good chemistry fit there. All right, 
bringing up the rear, the New Jersey Nets. Uh, they yeah, they're still in still in New Jersey at this point. Uh, Mike, you will have our last official pick at number fifteen. Uh, they. I believe the Nets have still had Vince Carter and Jason Kidd at this point. So that's a hell of a start. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why uh, this player has not been taken so far. I don't know what the hate on Raymond Felton is, but uh, I'm taking taking him here. I mean, this is, uh, I'm just looking at his basketball reference page. This this is pretty impressive stuff here. I mean, because he's Raymond Felton. Yeah. Because he's Raymond Felton. Did I miss something on Raymond Felton? Uh, the the part where he's six one two oh five and the two oh five was two oh five being generous. Yeah, it's kind of generous. Yeah. Yeah, but he's also putting up fifteen points a game and eight point three assists a game. Like this guy can play, man. I don't I don't know why we're Yeah, he's short, but dude can play. Like he's putting up numbers. Uh and it's the fifteenth pick. It's the last pick of our draft here. Right? That's fair. That's fair. You could <laughs> yeah. definitely make the worst picks. Look, he, he yeah, yeah, he was the second highest player rated player left on my board. That, like, this is not a reach at all. We're, we poke at Raymond Felton because the Bobcats were a disaster and they just couldn't get over drafting North Carolina players way ahead of where they should have been drafted. Yeah. But it is, look, Raymond Felton, to his credit, did start on a playoff team at one point in his career. Actually, didn't he start for the Knicks, too? He did he start for the Knicks, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they were in the playoffs in 2011, or were they? No. Um, let's see, I've got his career playoff numbers here. Uh, he started for. No, they were a 500 team. They, no, yes. actually, no, they did make the playoffs. So yeah, so Point. he started for multiple playoff teams. So yeah, it, it's kind of, yeah, we're we're not we're not trying to say Raymond Felton's bad. He was just kind of a. Was like, I'm, I'm, again, I'm trying to have fun with this, here. and like Raymond Felton's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, in that case, who's the worst player in this draft? Uh, no, no, I got, I got to stick with. It. I mean, I'm going to take Hakeem Warwick instead. And uh, Linus Kleza, maybe. No, we'll just stay. We'll, we'll stay. Yeah. All right. So as we as we do when the Pistons haven't selected by the fifteenth pick, uh, we we make up a fictional trade to get them the the sixteenth pick, and we all decide who from the remaining pool of players would be the best fit on the the Pistons of whatever year that was. Yeah. So the Pistons coming off the loss to the Spurs in the two thousand five finals. Uh, they still have that rock solid starting five. Great six man in McDice. Not a whole lot of depth behind that. Uh, does anyone look at this board and and see someone that would be a good fit for this team? I do. Over the next couple of years. Okay, you do. Last, I, you see anybody? I want to hear who Mike has in mind. You guys I actually are, want to too. You're not gonna like it. <laughs> uh, but I like this player, and for a minute. It, it, like it took him a while to get to a point where he could like be a a serviceable player. Um, Gerald Green, I'm taking Gerald Green. Uh, like I said, it it took him a minute. He did struggle early on in his career. He bounced around a little bit. He wound up playing in Russia for a couple of years, but when he came back, he was he was decent for Phoenix and uh and, and had had a nice run in in, in Houston and Miami and Boston. And like it even won a dunk contest. Um, like, uh, you know, if anything, we're going to get a guy who, who can get up and, and, and do some exciting plays. Like if you can't be good, be fun, but this team's already good. So let's also be fun too. Okay. Uh, last, do you have anyone or do you want me to go? I don't, I don't hate that pick by Mike. Um, mm-hmm. it did take Joe Green a long time, but like 
this particular iteration of the Pistons has time to give for yeah. a young guy to, to sit, grow and develop. And that that athleticism is something that they also like kind of lacked and it kind of hurt them towards the end of that run. So having a youthful infusion, I, I, I think is a good idea. I was, I honestly, I was looking at Charlie V and being like, let's get, let's get Joe fired a few years too earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm open to suggestions, Keith. Which Okay. Got? So yeah, I don't see. Yeah, here's the conundrum. Yes, we we could pick a player that would help us in the future that we both we all know the Pistons don't have after the 2000s, or we could try to get somebody to help them get over the hump, maybe be the difference in one single playoff game. And I don't really see anyone uh, of that ilk here either. I Nate Robinson would never play for Larry Brown. Yep. Maybe he would. Maybe he would play for for Flip Saunders, but that was, I think his, his style of play would kind of not mesh with, with those other guys on that team. So I am going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a, take a swing on a guy that's stuck in Turkey right now. He doesn't come over for a few years, but maybe if he's a first round pick, maybe those wheels get greased and he comes over a little bit earlier. I am going to put him in a Pistons uniform, uh, 10 years, 10 years ahead of time. Uh, one Ersan Ilyasova, I like who him. I know can play. He could play the second he set foot in the NBA. He just needed some time. Uh, not not the best. Like, he was great at taking charges, but he was not the best overall defender. But what he could do, he could rebound, and he could space the floor. He could shoot the three. I think from an offensive st- uh, standpoint, if you can get him uh, into this mix of players right now, I think he fits in great. I don't think he wins them a, a playoff game, maybe not down the road, but I think he – in the regular season. And this is, I think the thing that really hurt those Pistons teams in the late two thousands is because they didn't have the depth and mm-hmm. they had to text starters for 82 games every mm-hmm. single year. And I, I think they kind of kept burning out uh, by the conference finals. And I think Ilya Sova could actually get some real minutes and, and maybe spell Rasheed Wallace and Antonio McDice. Yeah. As a, yeah. as a pseudo stretch big, uh, I think that would actually be good for them. It's along of the lines of like what I was trying to do with Charlie V. Um, yeah. Eliasova had a longer career. I th- I think Charlie V is another guy where like maybe if you simulate his career a couple more times, he has a, a better result. But I, yeah, I, I don't mind the Eliasova pick at all. All right. All right. Um, so I, I suppose that does it. I do want to give a shout out uh, to Amir Johnson, who maybe if this – draft goes another three picks maybe i i think i probably would have picked him up at some point but amir johnson uh to this day the final of uh, high straight out of high school player ever drafted uh into the nba he he was uh for for, for piston fans under the age of 25 uh, he was kind of our our pet project for a number of years because he he was drafted at 18, youngest player in the league, just didn't play for, for a few years. And any time he got on the court, it was it was real exciting. And he carved out a hell of a career for himself. Uh, wasn't in Detroit, mind you, but he carved out a really nice career. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to, to uh, Amir Johnson. I believe Jason Maxiel is in this draft as well, another that's former true. Piston. Uh, that's true. Well, that's going to do I, it. 
I wanted to shout out one guy. We 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 opened yeah. a little discussion with uh, Darren Williams, that Illinois team with uh, D Brown and Darren Williams. I want to shout out the third guy, Luther Head. I I thought that guy would be an NBA player, and he like kind of wasn't. Only stuck around for for six seasons, but a a really good shooter even in college, and a career like 39 percent shooter in the NBA. Uh, one of those guys I think who like is maybe like five six years too late for where basketball was headed but like definitely i can see having a um like a duncan robinson-esque like role in today's nba yeah i i enjoyed um, the stylings of luther head <laughs> yeah he was yeah three-point specialist uh but yeah the problem was he was instead of being six seven like duncan robinson he was yeah, six, six three. three yeah that's kind of a problem. yeah and he yeah and he just didn't have the handle to stick around but no i mean he he lasted in the nba for what six seasons yeah for six seasons so that's not nothing i mean he, he got second contracts with people well, that's going to do it for the 2005 NBA draft. Last, thank you so much again for for coming yes, thank on. Thank you and, again. This was fun. We'll definitely want to have you back uh, at at some point for another draft if you're if you're interested or or maybe something else down the line when we come up with some new ideas. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no, I I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Um, I am uh, I'm on, on like a little bit of a hiatus right now. Um, but you can always just visit DetroitBadBoys.com. Uh, we've got a lot of draft content up for this year's, the 2023 NBA draft, which will be really fun to look back at in 15 years. Be like, wow, that Wimby guy, like, man, everybody thought he would be something. But no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's going to be good. We'll see. Uh... <laughs> hey, Laz, I got one quick question. Uh, is there anyone off the top of your head that you really like as uh, the next Detroit Pistons head coach? Um, like, do you have a favorite? No, the, the thing I have, the thing that's been like rattling around my brain with the coaching search is that I, I don't, I understand why like Kenny Atkinson isn't being considered like fully. Um, I even understand that like Atkinson, like, you know, he kind of blanched at the Hornets job last season. And like, that may have something to do with this. Um, and like the, you know, being a Warriors assistant is kind of like a, a plum opportunity. I understand why you might not want to leave that. But uh, right now I look at those, those Brooklyn rosters that Kenny Atkinson like had, and that was a lot of like chicken salad out of, you know, what, and the Pistons have a, you know, what roster right yeah. now. And so I think Kenny Atkinson is a guy who would probably do a good job of elevating this roster. So it's been a little weird to me. That he's just like not even in consideration. Um, I like even if he like I don't like not not like he'd be the perfect man for the job or anything like right. that. But like, is I I thought it was interesting that like his name just like hasn't even come up. Thanks. I just I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that before we before we stop. I I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Jury Stackhouse. I can't necessarily defend it uh, against some of the other candidates, but I I think his mentality would would go over well. Neil Ivy. <laughs> sign her up man i mean why not like she's a great coach like why not i i mean i don't know one of these days maybe uh i don't know i i think she's a great coach at least put her on the coaching staff that's all i'm saying at least put her on the coaching uh anyway. she's got a job 
yeah, she's got, got a good job. job. Not an end yeah. job. I mean, like. Yeah, but I mean, just saying, just put her on the staff. Like, if yeah, sure, if you're offering her the head coaching job. Yes, offer the head coaching job. Like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to make you like the third assistant as opposed to being head coach of a, a national powerhouse in, in Notre Dame. I, I think she's happy where she's at. She's, she's got a 61 not to mention, 25 Do you really want to subject Jaden and Ivy to that, really? Yes, I do. Like, uh, I mean, the how, <laughs> come on. How much harder would you play if your mom was on the sideline making sure that you played harder? I know I would be, like, busting my ass out there. Man. There's definitely been some, like, father-son coach duos right yeah, like I think mike, mike dunleavy coached his yeah yeah it, it yeah. didn't exactly work out great for the the rivers family though no it oh did yeah not. no it didn't yeah see yeah yeah, this, yeah don't okay. mix don't all mix right. family basketball all right Fine. yeah that, that's what i was thinking <laughs> well like i said we couldn't get Ime adoka so let's get me along instead um <laughs> and and we already have a little feud going on with the rockets i mean it's just perfect like it's perfect. But all right. All right. Not fooling around. Thanks again, Laz, for coming on. Thanks to everybody who listened this week. We have a YouTube page now. It's Bad Boys Beyond. Uh, we'll be uploading videos to that, uh, you know, when we do stuff. Uh, I, I'm going to try to come up with some sort of way where we can make this podcast uh, a video plus audio form where we can maybe show. Uh, hopefully the NBA doesn't find out. Uh, but yeah. Uh, next week, we got a really fun show. We, uh, we're going to do something really off the wall. We're going to head on to Tankathon and we're going to do a Tankathon spin to figure out what the draft lottery is going to be. And then we are going to do a mock draft only. We're not going to do a mock draft with players that are real. We are doing mock drafts with fictional basketball players from movies and TV. It is going to be a ton of fun. Jesus Shuttlesworth is obviously the number one pick. We'll see where he winds up. I not over Nina Bordeaux. Not if I'm getting the number one pick. Oh, boy. Uh, oh. Yeah, the well, I forget Shaq's name in Blue Chips, but like Shaq Nian is Bodeau. clearly the number one pick. Yeah. No, it's Nia Bordeaux. He's going to take Jimmy Chitwood from, from Hoosers, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentals, Dave. Jimmy Chitwood, Jimmy Chitwood would not last well in the shot clock era. No, were, he would not. He, we did not have enough time to give him around 55 picks and then run the picket fence. The shot clock would have gone off at that. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. All right. Well, that, that's, uh, that's what we got coming up next week. We look forward to seeing you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week.